call for all of us to recognise and acknowledge the fact of occupation, to rethink the received colonial settler narrative. listening to Deadly Justice with Sarush and Talula. Good afternoon, you're listening to Deadly Justice. This week we will be talking about fines and imprisonment. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit more, Sarush? Yeah, so I'm sure our listeners have experienced or know of people who have experienced difficulties in and around the fine system. There was this big uh, issue in WA where people were being imprisoned because they had fines and people oftentimes were also seeking to cut out their fines by going into prison. Now the government's announced a change and all of this took place and um, I note that we're going to talk about matters that include death so if it's distressing for our listeners please tune out for the rest of the show. This uh, kind of all came to be because firstly in in most of the other states there isn't a system like this we're kind of the last remaining state to kind of imprison people for fines but in a, in particular there was the death of Miss Jew a few years ago in Headland uh, where her death was completely unnecessary. She was uh, arrested to pay off fines and many other things took place that uh, pointed to police and hospital misconduct and as a result of that the coroner made recommendations to change the fines system so that you couldn't end up in prison uh, for for fines. So we're going to talk about the changes. We're also going to talk about the fine system generally, and we have a special guest. Who are we talking to today? Today we're talking to Sophie Stewart from Social Reinvestment WA, uh, and she has been pivotal in pushing for the fines uh, system to, to be changed and to be reviewed and looked at. She talks about all the kind of negative things about Fine and fines and imprisonment, it costing more, it um, being disproportionate to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, especially in remote areas, and the correlation between fines and imprisonment and poverty. Sarush, could you tell us a little bit more about what the current fine system is? So, as many of the listeners know, there is a current system whereby people accrue fines. And they accrue fines in a range of different ways from getting an infringement or committing an offence. And then there's a, a range of different ways that people need to, to find to either pay off their debt or have their debt forgiven, so to speak. And so historically, you know, who are fines impacting? Fines impact on people who are poor the most. And as we'll hear in our interview, fines tend to disproportionately also impact women, uh, marginalised communities such as Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders. And so w- one of the uh, options of people having to deal with their fines was they would receive enforcement warrants and people would end up in prison. You might have heard of the expression cutting out your fines. And so there was a rate of $250 a day that if you were in prison, you could work off your fine. Now, I'm sure many listeners will agree the idea of having to go to prison to, to pay off a fine is not at all what we imagine our justice system should be in 2019. And as we mentioned, there was a really um, significant and tragic death that took place, and it's kind of sparked uh, reform. And it shouldn't have to require a death to spark this kind of reform, but that's that's where we're at in 2019. 
And so we're going to talk about some of the changes that are in this new system. Um, but before we do, I think Tulu's got a word of the day. So my word of the day is garnish. And so hang on, Tulu, why are you talking about food in a law show? Well, garnish in legal terms essentially means taking little bits out of what money you receive to pay off your fine. So if you're getting a Centrelink payment, it's taking little bits out of your Centrelink payment to repay the fine. Or if you've got a job, maybe your employer will garnish some money from your uh, salary and um, pay it towards your fine. But it can only be done with a court order. So that's probably a good way to introduce some of the changes that are coming up. And and you started with the worst part of the new legislation, which means that the government will be able to garnish your um, income in order to pay your fines. And what they will say is that, well, we need to find alternative ways instead of sending, sending people to prison. And so one alternative is the court will be able to make an order where your wages, whether that's considered to be your Centrelink or your salary, will be garnished. And as you know, Newstart, for example, is so low that the idea of taking someone's part of someone's Newstart to pay off their fines seems extraordinary. Yeah, so I think if you're on Newstart, you're, you're getting paid around $580 or $560 a fortnight. If you're you're then having to pay rent and groceries and living, uh, which can be very difficult in a remote area as well because everything is really expensive, and then on top of that you're having to have your uh, your your pay garnished so that you can pay fines. So right now we know that they're talking about introducing a concept of hardship in the scheme. We're not exactly sure what those tests will be. Uh, so they will look and take into consideration people's mental illness and disability, family and domestic violence, homeless, homelessness, drug and alcohol problems. And so what we're hoping to see is that you won't be able to garnish people's wages or Centrelink income if they have any of those situations, which, you know, and, and perhaps one interesting observation is, look, the majority of people who are on welfare are experiencing hardship just because of how low the amount of Newstart and the amount of welfare actually is. So that's probably the aspect of the new scheme we're most concerned about. But there are a few other aspects. And I guess the main thing is that the new legislation is designed to make imprisonment kind of a last resort measure. So a whole other range of things will have to be tried before people can be imprisoned for their fines. Do you want to talk about some of the other aspects of it Tallulah? Well to me I think that the most important and the best thing about this legislation is that it now is uh, prohibited to issue license suspensions um, for people who have a a fine debt uh, in remote areas which is really important because people don't have access to public transport and um, obviously are living very remote so not being able to issue license suspensions is really important. And there's a bunch of other changes. So, for example, in order for the government to make this a kind of last prison, a last resort measure, they have to find different ways for people to try and work through their fines. So another alternative is in other states, they've, they've already introduced schemes that are kind of called work and development permits, which means that instead of having to go into prison or go, on, go into a um, hardship arrangement 
with uh, the Fines Enforcement Agency. What you'll do instead is hopefully work with a training organisation or a counselling organisation or some social organisation to do something that's uh, that kind of gets you back on your feet or gets you trained up. And in our experience in Victoria, it really depends on how much the government invests in training these organisations and also the organisations that work with the community to make sure that this scheme works. I think it's important to know that there is a safeguard on a protected amount and if you have under this protected amount of money, it cannot be taken. This is to help avoid financial hardship, but it's important to remember that um, you are okay to... Um, not have your money taken out of your account if you have a protected amount but we are yet to to find out what this amount will be and it's all going to be in those details isn't it we we know um, we're worried I guess obviously that our clients don't get affected uh, and so we're looking for what those changes are these changes haven't come into effect but I think it's something that we're going to see this year and we're going to look for what date that will be. So we spoke to Sophie Stewart from Social Reinvestment WA last week just before the bill was put to Parliament. Before we do we're going to cut to a song. What are we listening to today? Now we'll be listening to Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child. You are listening to Deadly Justice with Talula and Sarush. First we started out real cool Taking me places I ain't never been But now you're getting comfortable Ain't doing those things you did no more You're slowly making me pay for things Your money should be handling And now you have to use my car Drive it all day and don't fill up the tank And you have the audacity to even come and step to me Ask to hold some money from me Until you get your check next week you're trifling, good for nothing type of brother Silly me, why haven't I found another? A baller, when times get hard, needs someone to help me out Instead of a scrub like you who don't know what a man's about
Welcome back to Deadly Justice. You're listening to Sarushan Tallulah, and we're lucky enough to have Sophie Stewart with us from Social Reinvestment WA. Welcome to the show, Sophie. Thanks for having me. Sophie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Social Reinvestment WA? What is it that you guys do? Yeah, so um, I'm the campaign coordinator for Social Reinvestment WA. We're a statewide coalition of 23 organisations who are working to reform our justice system to have better outcomes, um, healthier families, safer communities, smart justice, and ultimately to reduce imprisonment of Aboriginal people around the state. Um, We work in three main areas. Um, One is in supporting communities um, to build justice reinvestment trial sites that are community run and owned and designed. Um, We develop our own podcast stories from the inside, telling the stories of people in WA's justice system. Um, And we're currently campaigning on fine default reform, which is a law reform issue that we think is really important to this cause. Sophie, how do people end up in prison because of fines? Well, in WA, you can actually end up in prison for unpaid fines in quite a few ways. So it's not just if you go to court. Um, If you get an infringement from your local council, whether it's you haven't registered your dog or you've got a parking fine... If you fail to pay those fines, they get listed with the Fines Enforcement Registrar. Um, And if you've got an infringement from, say, your local council or um, another local government organisation, the only option that you have once you haven't paid it and it's been listed with the Fines Enforcement Registrar is um, to enter a time-to-pay arrangement. And if you can't enter a time-to-pay arrangement, which is paying off small instalments over a period of time, because of whatever reason, whether it's poverty, whether you're in a period of unemployment, um, whether it's just beyond your reach at that moment because of what's happening in your life, um, the Fines Enforcement Registrar can implement some enforcement options. So they can seize your property, um, they can suspend your licence or vehicle, or um, they can issue a warrant of commitment to take you straight to prison. Um, the secondary part of that, I suppose, is that if the Fines Enforcement Registrar suspends your licence or vehicle for not paying your fines, if you violate that suspension, you can also end up in prison. So um, it's a pretty 
um, we think it's a pretty unfair system, really, because no one should be put into prison for being unable to register their dog or for not being able to pay a parking fine. And that's the reason that fines are given out in the first place, because people don't deserve to go to prison for things that small. And can you tell us um, some of the practicalities of that? So when you go into prison, I, we often hear clients tell, talk to us about cutting out fines. What is, is there a daily, daily rate? When do people then get released? What is, how does that work? Yeah, so if you go to prison to, um, to, pay your, to cut out your fines, it's $250 a day is earned off your fines, and that is earned um, concurrently. So if you've got several fines, you're only, working, you're only cutting out the biggest one. But it actually costs WA $770 per person per day to hold someone in prison for a short-term imprisonment like that. So actually, it's costing, it's costing all of us a lot more to lock people up for unpaid fines than if we gave them alternative options. And there are alternatives that do work. So last year, the state spent $2.84 million just locking people up for unpaid fines. Um, and think about what that $2.84 million mm. could be used for if it was going into the community, if it was going to mental health organisations, um, to support Aboriginal community controlled initiatives, so things like that, um, where that money could be going instead. And I'm imagining, so you're, I'm imagining this assessment of the $700 figure you've spoken about is probably only part of the cost it is to the community. So I can imagine, you know, what about parents who have kids and what's going to happen to their care needs and, and a whole range of other dominoed kind of effects? Yeah, and that, that actually is exactly what happens. We had, um, in 2017, there was a Perth mother um, who called the police because of a domestic violence issue. Um, they checked out her records when they arrived and they took her to prison because she had unpaid fines for an unregistered dog from five years previous. And her five children were left in the house. Um, her sister was there at the time, but her sister um, was then taking care of nine children on her own. And two days later, the power got cut off to that family. And if you don't have someone around who can take care of your kids, they might end up put into like child protection or any of those other systems, which is a huge cost on the community. And the impact on kids having to see their mum or their dad taken away just because mm. they couldn't pay their fines is pretty traumatic. We had 820 people that that happened to last year. So 820 people in WA were taken away just for unpaid fines. Wow. Sophie, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the case of Miss Jew? Yeah, so I'm certainly no expert on it, but um, Miss Jew, I'm sure many of you have heard um, of her tragic death, death in custody. She was only 22, um, and she died of septicemia and pneumonia um, caused by a broken rib. And she was arrested um, in 2014 on a warrant of commitment for $3,600 in unpaid court fines. And most of those unpaid court fines were for convictions that she received when she was a child. So when she was still a juvenile, um, she got some court fines, and then as a 22-year-old adult, she was arrested for those. Um, and Miss Drew was, you know, many of you have heard her story. She was taken to hospital twice before her death. Um, the police officers and other people in attendance called her a junkie. They didn't believe her. They dragged her from her cell when she had a broken, she had a broken rib that was causing septicemia and pneumonia, um, and she was declared dead, and it was a death in custody. Mm. And Essentially, she died because she didn't receive adequate treatment in custody. Mm -hmm. And she was in custody because she hadn't paid just $3,600 in unpaid fines. And that's just, that is too much of a price for any single person to pay. And it's unacceptable in our day and age and in our state. I don't think any Western Australian wants to see those outcomes for our people. That's so distressing. 
Can I ask, I guess related to that point, does the fine default system disadvantage certain kinds of peoples? Yeah, it definitely does. So um, of 73, of the people who are fine defaulters, of all the people who can't pay their fines and who are locked up in prison, 22% of them are women. And women are just 15% of the normal um, prison population. So they are disproportionately represented in those. And of those women, 73% of them are considered unemployed. And often they're considered unemployed because they're mothers. We also know that um, Aboriginal people are overrepresented in those who are locked up for unpaid fines in WA. It's totally unacceptable. We know that um, of female fine defaulters and people who are locked up, almost 65% of them are women and um, almost 31% of um, male men who are locked up for unpaid fines in WA are Aboriginal. So it's a totally disproportionate impact on both women and on Aboriginal people. Uh, following this, Sophie, what's the connection between poverty and fine default? Well, the people who are being locked up for not being able to pay their fines are not rich boat owners who are refusing to pay a tax or something on their boat. It's not giant corporations. Most of the people who are locked up for unpaid fines are people who never had the capacity to pay those fines in the first place. So um, we know that there is a direct connection in our system in that the people who are locked up are people who are already living in extremely disadvantaged and often poverty-stricken scenarios. So um, that's... That's like a direct outcome. It's not, it's, not, it's not wealthy people who are just choosing not to pay these fines. It's people who never had the capacity in the first place. Um, we also know that if you are given an infringement and you can't pay that, um, in other states people are given the opportunity to work off their fines. So if you don't have the money to pay it, you can do a community development or work order um, and you can work off your fines and pay your, pay your debt back to the community that way. But we don't have that option for people who have been fined for an infringement in WA. So what are the, some of the alternatives that, that you're proposing? So I, I think it's really clear that there are alternatives and they already work in other states. So I mentioned earlier 820 people were locked up in WA last year for unpaid fines. In other states, that number was zero. Mm. So we lock up 820 people, it was zero. The only other state that locked people up last in the 2017-2018 year was the Northern Territory, and they knocked, they locked up two people. So we're locking them up at hugely disproportionate rates. But um, because other states aren't locking people up, there are already alternatives that we know work in other states. So firstly, we just don't believe that um, that anyone should be in prison for unpaid fines. It's, poverty is not a crime, and vulnerable members of our community shouldn't be punished because they cannot pay these things. And we also know that locking people up for unpaid fines, it's an unnecessary and illogical economic expenditure, you know. It, it also has damaging social outcomes. So by locking these people up, we're wasting a whole bunch of money, but we're also really damaging the communities and the people who just can't afford to pay these fines. Mm. So we kind of suggest three alternatives that um, the research packs up and that we know work in other states. So the first one is introducing a well-resourced, supported and flexible work and development permit scheme. Um, so that's similar to what they run in New South Wales. So work and development permits, um, they reduce recidivism, so they stop people going back to prison because um, they allow people to engage in development options. So you can go to an alcohol or drug counsellor, you could go see a financial counsellor, you could go see a psychologist, you could even go to TAFE. Um, 
and by engaging in that development or community work. So perhaps you do gardening in the local community, perhaps you help with rubbish collection, perhaps you do some sort of community-based work, perhaps you help in the old people's home. Um, you can do either development or work options and each time you do that, those hours will count towards working off your fine. So instead of spending a day in prison and getting $250 off your fine, you might spend a day working in the community or doing some development activities um, to help you be able to be in a better position to pay fines in the future or not get fines um, and you earn your $250 off that way. Um, we're also saying that that needs to come in without having first having a court order. So that should be an option for everyone, is a work and development permit scheme to be able to pay off their fines if they can't. Just to kind of give you some more context, um, I've been living in Victoria for a few years and the WDP scheme is coming into place right now and we're having all the teething problems of those schemes, the scheme actually not yet being supported enough. So a lot of the providers don't really understand the scheme yet and they, they're still trying to work out how to become certified. And But it is uh, a really important alternative. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things I guess we've been talking with the government about, Social Reinvestment WA, um, because there needs to be a resource. And whether that's the Aboriginal Legal Service um, or Legal Aid or Community Legal Centres who are given a bit of money from the government so that they can go and train non-for-profits and organisations mm. in how to certify themselves and how to join up to the scheme. There has to be that there. Otherwise, people, it does, it can be a bit confusing, I think, mm. for the providers. And I suppose, I guess, we also think there's two other emergency things that need to be in place. So not just that giving people another option, but one is that we need to have emergency protections for our most vulnerable and disadvantaged people. So that um, we suggest that the government could create an option for declaring hardship so if you're going through a period where you're really struggling to pay your fines off and, you know, it's a temporary period in your life, perhaps, you know, perhaps you or your partner have lost your job, maybe you're paying off um, some other, like, debts at that moment and you just don't have the extra, um, the extra money, perhaps you've just had a new child, um, you can get means tested through a financial counsellor or another appropriate person and you can apply to have your repayments halted until the period of hardship ends. So that's another, we think that that should be in place as an emergency protection for like really vulnerable and disadvantaged people who are just struggling at a period of time. And I suppose the final thing that we talk about is that um, we need to ensure that anyone who gets, anyone who's going to get sent to prison appears before a magistrate or a judge. So right now in WA, the Fines Enforcement Registrar, who's just a public servant who doesn't necessarily have legal training and definitely isn't a, judi like, isn't a judge, isn't a magistrate, they can send you to prison by signing a warrant of commitment um, because you haven't paid your fines. We just don't believe that's fair or just. That's not how the rest of our justice system works. Um, so if everything goes through, you haven't done, like, you know, if, if everything, every other option is exhausted, we still believe that someone has to has the right to appear before a magistrate or a judge before they're sent to prison. And right now that's not an option and um, we don't think it's fair. We're going to cut to a second song. We're going to be listening to Money, Money, Money by ABBA. I 
Welcome back to the show. Sophie, are you concerned about whether the legislation will go far enough? I I think we're mainly just, we want to make sure that there are alternatives for people to take because we know that that has worked in other states. So as long as there is a work and development permit um, option for people, no matter how they've got their fines, to go through um, and be able to take that, we think that's a really, really positive step. Um, but we'd also really like to see our other two recommendations put into place as well. We also, I think we're probably more concerned that there might be other other punitive options that are introduced that um, we don't know what impact they'll have on the community. Um, we know that um, things like the um, cashless welfare card and stuff have had some really bad impacts in some communities and we don't want to see stuff like that incorporated into this legislation. Sophie, can you tell us, uh, in terms of your Centrelink payment, is that able to be um, used for your, or garnished or kind of cordoned off to pay for your fines without your permission? So um, it isn't right now, but that is something that's on the table and that the Attorney General has publicly said that they're considering is implementing um, garnishing of your Centrelink payments. So We're stepping like one step forward and two steps back, right? Yeah, and to be, and we don't, we don't. Social reinvestment doesn't support that. Um, what we have been told is that if there is to be a garnishing aspect, there will be um, protected income amounts. Mm. Um, so five hundred dollars, five fifty a week on you start. How much? How is that? How they're going to have a, anything lower than five fifty as amount that they can take away? Yeah, yeah, and we totally agree. And I think the other important part of that is that. If you're garnishing someone's income, you know, if someone's on 550 a week for New Start um, and they're maybe a single young man, maybe that's enough money for them. But if you're a if you're a mum or a dad who's mm. got five kids to feed, $550 a week as a standard protected income amount is not enough. And that's really why we're stre- we're stressing that there needs to be an option and emergency protection mm. for vulnerable and disadvantaged people to be able to declare hardship. Because if there's not a hardship option... Um, what about those, you know, those mums and dads who have kids to feed, who have other, who have other payments that they're making in their lives and are just trying to make ends meet? Um, how are they supposed to pay off their fines, even if they have a higher income than 550 a week, even if they have, you know, even if they're earning 1000 a week? That's not enough, not very much if you've got five kids to feed. Well, it sounds like you're kind of ending the imprisonment regime, but you're also then pushing people into deep food insecurity. So, you know, just the the cost of living and looking at rental prices and food up here, it just is beyond me that you would be garnishing someone's Centrelink income. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I definitely agree. I think, I think that that's a really out-of-touch concept of how much it actually costs to live. And considering that, um, I, I don't know if you guys have seen much about the Raise the Rate campaign, but mm. there's a huge national campaign that's anti-poverty at the moment, which is to raise the new start rate because it already isn't enough to live on. So if the WA government is then going to garnish or take money from people's new start payments, we're putting people who are already below the poverty line into further poverty, and that's just not acceptable. And we don't want any Western Australian to live like that. Sophie, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, we've learnt a lot and hopefully our listeners have too about the system and the changes that are coming about. Um, yeah, thank you again. No worries. It was my pleasure and I really hope that you guys can support us and all, any listeners out there, um, start speaking to your friends, start speaking to your community, speak to your local member um, about this issue because it needs to change and we need better outcomes for all Western Australians now. 
Thank you. That was Sophie from Social Reinvestment WA talking to us about the fine system and imprisonment. Thank you for tuning in this week to Deadly Justice. We've been talking about fines and imprisonment and it's been a really interesting topic and a, a quite a hopeful one considering the changes that hopefully will be implemented uh, very soon. Um, I suppose if you've got any issues with fines and debt, um, maybe best to talk to a financial counsellor or if there's uh, legal matters involved, feel free to come and speak to us at KCLS. Our broom office number is... Nine one nine two five one seven seven, and our drop-in hours are Monday to Wednesday, nine a.m. to twelve p.m. Uh, and for those in Kununurra, the office number is nine one six nine three one hundred, and office drop-in hours are Tuesday to Thursday, nine a.m. to twelve p.m. Do you want to talk a little bit about what we will be discussing next week, Sarish? Sure. Look, our next show, we're going to talk about driving matters and how they affect people here in the Kimberley. And uh, we're going to have a special guest who's done research on this. And hopefully we can talk about what changes we want to see so that people don't people are able to get on the road more and uh, they're not impacted as much by laws and legislation that are designed down in Perth. Thanks for listening to us. You're listening to Tulula and Sarush on Deadly Justice.